0: Welcome to the Super Seed Ventures podcast, where we talk all things trade tech, explore how startups are disrupting the construction landscape, and look to the future world of tradies. You're with Head of Investments, Chris Pattenden. Like never before, the last few years have insisted we find ways to do things remotely. We've transitioned into a true work from home society. In the health space, doctors were forced to triage patients through telehealth solutions without coming into physical contact. Experienced professionals effectively scaled their advice and impacted more people than they could have reached as a sole practitioner. In the trade space, we've found a business in Bluon, taking remote support to the next level. Let's get straight into our chat with Peter Capacciai, the CEO of BlueOn, the world's fastest-growing support network for HVAC technicians. I, I wanted to start with a bit of the hype that's going on about BlueOn. You've um, you've shared us a, a hype reel, and we're hearing a lot of feedback. Um, maybe just a very brief intro into what BlueOn is, but then straight into why it is that these HVAC technicians love BlueOn so much.
1: Yeah, I think you know. The reason that the technicians love us so much, I think, is because how the company came to be and how we developed the platform was unique, in that it was aimed directly at the technicians because of a unique circumstance, which uh, which is probably the best to just to give a little history there. So the company was founded originally as a manufacturing, chemical manufacturing and R and D company, to, to seek out. Can we make a better refrigerant to replace Freon R22? And so, long story there, but you know, we're actually a bunch of uh, scientists and physicists and chemical engineers that really are the core of this company. A lot of, a lot of geeks around here, which we uh, we enjoy. And so, we we spent four years in R&D um, and did just that, created a really remarkable product, which has its own story to it. I won't I won't bore you with. But when we got that product out into the market in 2016. We quickly became aware of a fundamental problem in HVAC, which is that technicians are kind of like the guardians of HVAC innovation. And if you don't get them as an advocate or champion, you don't have a product, right? You can have all this demand with you from commercial landlords and you know all kinds of different industry stakeholders. But if the technicians won't want to use your product, you got nothing. And so we were at a standstill and we said, okay, well, how do we get you know 300,000 technicians in the US to overnight advocate for our product and the the way we came up with was let's let's give them the tool they need to use this product or to install this product and the only way to do that was to take on the the herculean task of putting as many of the models that they use out there which there are tens and tens of thousands of unique models put them into a database and give them super very easy instructions of how to use our product in that particular piece of equipment sounds easy right but it's a massive undertaking because there are literally you know 350,000 unique models in the US alone each one which has different wiring configuration tonnage voltage compare everything like you know you you name it in the design of that system so we ended up doing just that we initially had about 35,000 units Took them, you know, understood them, got all their manuals, diagrams, tech specs, control packages, um, you know, service bulletins, all the data on that unit, on that unit, created a, created a methodology to, to retrofit that unit and then put it out on an app. So that app had basically an easy way to access those models. Now it was brand agnostic by definition, because the way a refrigerant works, you have to be able to work in everything. So it wasn't like tied to any particular OEM, it was the world. And that was the key, right? Because as a result of doing that, we accidentally created the first brand agnostic database search platform, diagnosis platform, because the technicians didn't use the app primarily for retrofit. They used it for everything, meaning I need the information on this unit because I'm doing whatever I'm replacing a compressor. I'm doing a PM. I'm doing whatever they needed that information as part of their normal approach of that unit. So for the first time all of these units were in one place for the technicians to use and that was not by purpose but by accident because we were trying to get the champion trying to get the product advocated by techs. So from there forward we started to build all the things of the app from a brand agnostic tech friendly tech specific user experience because they were the people we were trying to uh, bring into the platform no one had ever done that no one ever built a platform for the techs by the techs using their language sort of how they do things making it simple to them you know remember most most of the techs that make the decisions are gen xers right they're not they're not millennials and so they use technology differently and so you have to make the interface more friendly to how they operate and we took that very seriously so here we have a a, um an app that's easily adopted by the 40 plus age group which historically had been the group that didn't want to touch a mobile app and so we had this self-adoption sort of um energy behind the whole platform and quickly we went from 10,000 20,000 30,000 50,000 we're at 95,000 technicians on the platform as of today but you can see that happen because of where why we built it right if you were a you know, a normal OEM or a normal distributor, you're going to build it for your universe of products. We built it for the whole universe of products, which is what the techs need, because in the States, they work on a train, they work on a carrier, they work on a Linux a York, they're working on every known brand all in a single day. So to have nine apps doesn't work for them, they need one home base that is for they get all their information. And that's been the secret is building it brand agnostic, tech friendly, in a way that helps them directly. So Blue On became this energy that techs looked at as them. So now they associate Blue On as kind of them. And that's been the, the whole secret to the, the, the whole enthusiasm behind the app.
0: I wonder if you knew how many units uh, that you needed to input at the beginning, whether you would have gone on the journey. Um,
1: no way, yeah, no chance. Oh. Our, our ignorance was our benefit. I yeah. will <laughs> just
0: wanna sort of pick up the age group you mentioned there because um, on, on one hand, your usability to them, um, is, is unique and and different and super important. But the other thing you've done with that age bracket is brought in some super experienced technicians into the blue on team and and got them on the phones. And they're, they're probably pretty motivated by what they're doing versus, you know, being a bit long in the tooth out on the field.
1: Oh man. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we've got, as of today, 30 in-house techs that are for tech support. So these guys are answering the phones. We do about 300 calls a day. Uh, That's gonna go up to probably 700 uh, in the summer. And these are calls anywhere from, you know, super simple green guys in the field to thousand ton chillers, you know, very sophisticated, um, you know, informed techs. And we have the techs to answer that wide variety of questions, but to your point, these guys, they all all fall into, they they have three things in common. They are, they're sort of like, I call them service to others people. They really get joy out of helping others in the trade, like it's what fuels them. They are natural de-escalators, right? They can bring someone that's really you know, freaking out into a calm state to diagnose. And what's really difficult and hard to even fathom is they can three-dimensionally diagnose any system in their head, right, in real time with another tech in the field in a remarkable way. If you watch these guys work, it's, it's incredible. And so these guys can really do anything from a mini split to a like a large chiller and we're able to sort of curate where those calls go go based upon the expertise of our tech staff so we've got this all like sort of a matrix of who gets what call based upon how where it comes from on the app so the experience that we get is is second to none it's a two minute or less wait time you know four five star ratings 990 out of a thousand times just extraordinary uh you know results and The technicians that are given given the um support have this great feeling afterwards and the techs receiving the support have a great feeling so it's just a another glue of gratitude that binds the community in a way that's you know hard to duplicate
0: yeah incredible and and such a great support to be able to give the industry are there any consistent calls that are coming through so um I think, especially if I think about a distributor like Reese who is troubleshooting on the spot. So maybe there's two parts to the question. Are you getting consistent calls and um, types of calls? And is there any issues with being remote versus actually being together in terms of responding to those questions?
1: Yeah, great. let uh, see, so on the first one, there is, I mean, we do track the calls, so we've got good data on what it is, but I would say, you know, the States, which I think is, a a little similar to Australia, but really unique, especially when you compare it to Europe or Asia, the technicians have a, a really low standard of basic training. So they get into the into the trade with anywhere from like a couple weeks course to maybe a six month course. So they don't have much right to lean on. The old mentor system is kind of broken. So they come in in a pretty fragile state and they and they you know these guys need to be basically electricians plumbers and HVAC mechanics all in one. And most of them we've noticed have a really lack of fundamental understanding on wiring diagrams and just general uh, electrical wiring in general. So I would say a lot of our calls are about how to read a diagram and what to do about it in terms of diagnoses and what to do in terms of tracking down, you know, uh, using various electrical uh, readings to verify and diagnose a problem. That's a big, big, issue in the field, and we're doing a lot of just-in-time training as we talk to these guys on sort of educating them on how to do it for themselves, which is which is a big deal. And we can give you that, that data, but I'd say, you know, basic wiring diagrams is a massive chunk of it, um, along with fundamentals on basic fundamentals of the refrigeration cycle. These guys know components and what to do, but a lot of them don't have the fundamental understanding of how the whole thing works. They can be more of a step back and get a, you know... A, more basic diagnosis of what's going on versus being two in the weeds on the specific issue you're looking at. So I think basics and wiring are, are the two big ones back to the team, not being together, you know, we do actually solve for that. So every week we have seven of our 30 tech team in the office, um, cohabitating. So they get to share best practices and work together. And so it's like a, a constant, you know, circling of around from the country to here, which has been a big difference because these guys do feed off of each other. They like to share, you know, talk about the call, you know, what went wrong, what went right. Um, but they do, but they form a really core group, even when they're not together, that they're always together, you know, via technology 24 uh, seven. And we do, you know, we do tech support 24 seven. So it's not just uh weekdays, nine to five, it's every day, uh, all day.
0: And so that helps your team train up and, and be familiar. What about for the actual tech on the ground? So they're, um, if, if again, if I think about a use case before Blue On, maybe they were going into their branch and chatting to the person behind the counter. But you know, there's they could have shown them something potentially. Um, is 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 that ever a barrier? The the fact that these people are on the phone at Blue On versus being together in person with the technician.
1: Um, no, I would say not. And just for clarity, you know, at least in the states, the technicians rarely look to the distributor for tech support except for on installation installation is you know big but there's a big support system in place for new installs supplied by the local distributor that's common but service particularly on units that are 10 years or older which is normal uh there's nothing right and so they're stuck calling the oem waiting for two hours to get you know a non-answer So we really fill a, fill a gap that was, nobody was filling, you know, it was, it was really just absent. And like like I said before, the mentor system is kind of broken and the the green tech would be reluctant to call their service manager for fear of being outed. Like they don't know something. So there was a really big resistance uh, to looking for information, which was why a lot of things were getting broken because there was this sort of weird uh, inherent resistance built in. But yeah, I do think, you know, Being on the phone is normal, uh, at least in the U.S. for service calls. But being able to get someone competent quickly is not normal. Uh, That's new.
0: And down a similar train of thought, you launched your forum a couple of months ago now, maybe three or four months. Um, And it certainly feels like the community is starting to support each other. It's not just Blue On's job anymore, um, which I assume is leading to, to faster responses as well. Um, love to hear your thoughts on on how that's tracking and and the impact it's having and uh, if you wish there was an example of that tool giveaway and and, uh, a really generous act of someone in your community that might be worth sharing as well
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) great great call yeah i know the 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 forum has been amazing and we basically built it let it sit there let it get organic growth and then as of february one february one we put in a you know, like a marketing ploy to get people on the forum by giving tools away every day and getting more participation. And it's gone up tremendously. Like we were getting, you know, maybe 100 or 200 posts a day. Now we're getting several thousand uh, per day. I mean, so it's like one per minute, you know, it's just you know, rolling. But the cool part is that there's a lot of participation on just normal chat, but also really detailed questions. And then you see three or four or five non-blue on techs respond in minutes, you know, to that, that tech in the field. So that's really cool. It's growing. I think it's going to become, you know, as we evolve the forum based on feedback, get even better and better at doing that. That's what's going to become even more valuable to the community, which is amazing. But yeah, to your, to your exact question, you know, we are giving away, you know, two significant tools, like $500 tools a day for the month of February to, you know, people that post the best posts on the forum. Um, And on the third day of the contest, the winner of the contest reached out to us and said, Hey, if you haven't sent my tool out, I'd like to give it to this other individual I see on the forum who seems to be a little down on luck and could use some help, you know, in, in, in building their tools up. Because in the States, these techs buy their own tools that right? they're not provided by the contractor, typically, not always, but typically. So it was pretty amazing to see this guy who just won a $700 tool, say, hold time out. Let me re-give it to the guy I see on the forum who could use it more than I could. And it's just awesome. like right? just spectacular to see that that community uh, start to take on a life of its own individually. Really, really awesome. Yeah. And then um,
0: these types of forums, I think businesses launch hoping you'll get some of this engagement, but um, it's it's not common, I wouldn't say. And, and it's not common that people jump in and support each other because that takes their time away from what they're doing. But um, whatever yeah. you've built, they're, they're motivated to do. So maybe, maybe we just touch on what's next for Blue On. So you've got this... Incredible um, support network, but it's probably not to the commercialized extent that you might need it to be to, to keep providing such support. Right. What, what happens next? How do you um, how do you commercialize the model?
1: Yeah. So we are in mid smack of that whole endeavor and plan. So we are literally weeks away from the first phase of that process. So March first, thereabouts, uh, we launch what we call Parts ID. What that does is it expands the database. To nearly 400,000 models, but those models include all of the original parts, you know, by part number that make up that unit. So for, for those that don't know, each, each each unit has 50, 60 unique parts, you know, with a specific part number that goes with that particular piece of equipment. So it's a huge amount of data. This data has never been shared with technicians historically. It's always been kept at the manufacturer or at the local distributor to use in um, determining what to sell the, the local customer. So we're giving that information out to the tech for the first time, which is huge. Then come April 15th, we're gonna use that same information to enable informed order requests to the local distributor. Meaning I'm working on a York XYZ, blah, blah, blah. I can see what the parts are for that equipment, I know I need a new compressor, I know I need a new contactor, I know I need a new filter dryer, I can select those parts from the list, create an order request along with my truck stock I need, nitrogen, whatever, refrigerant, whatever, build a request, send it over to my local distributor, who's on the network, they get back to me with what they have, when they have it, and then we create an e-commerce platform, and kind of highway direct from the app to those connected stores. So that's kind of the monetization aspect. And that allows us to get compensated on each uh, order that we fulfill on that platform. And then on June 1st, we have what's called TechREX, which makes that process even more intelligent by curating the results. Meaning, if I know I bought, I want, if I I know I need to get this new compressor, our technicians have determined, oh, if you're gonna do that, you need this and this, most likely, and you need these tools and this truck stock specifically for that part. So now it makes the process of determining what else you need, which even senior techs forget. Mm-hmm. So for senior tech, it's a reminder. For junior techs, it's educational and it allows that process to be truncated by you know 20, 30 minutes, which is massive. You know? So the whole, everything we're doing saves in our estimate an hour plus per job per tech. So you start to do the math on that. It allows everybody makes more money. There's more jobs for everybody the industry gets to do more throughput uh, to help solve our, our um, labor crisis and really helps the industry as a whole.
0: Um, I think it's going to be a hit. The, when I think about that distributor relationship, um, some, some people would think that you're going to come in and disrupt this industry. You're intercepting the relationship between the customer and the supplier. Um, But but you have talked to me offline a little bit about how how you view the distributor and and their importance. Do you want to just talk to that relationship and and how you you plan to work together?
1: Yeah, I would say that the, the secret to our early success in adoption by distributors is our embracing of the local distributor relationship. The recognition that they are the nexus of the supply chain not because just they are, but because they kind of have to be, because in the US, they, be, they are basically the credit underwriters of the industry, because if you don't have a local distributor underwriting the purchasing of all these local contractors who are five, six, seven man shops, they're really small companies in the US, the average, the average shop in the US is four people, right, so these are tiny little companies. And so these distributors act as the underwriters for that behavior and that purchasing, and you can't get rid of that. Like, it's not going to happen. And they have all the local relationships of these individuals and how to add value to them. So we want to embrace that. We want to empower that. We're just creating a platform that lets e-commerce happen between local tech and local distributor in a way that's agnostic uh, and allows them to, to, to provide an e-commerce platform to their best customers in a way that's immediately beneficial and already adopted, right? That's the whole mm. ballgame. And we're not like a supplyhouse.com or a Home homedepot.com. We're trying to go around the distributor. We're going right through them, using them as the, the key to the whole program.
0: And um, you can see the response from some of the, the distributor staff themselves. We've obviously had a few meetings with um, some of the research fact team and they're, they're excited about having these tools Um, at their disposal and probably most importantly, they're excited to help their customer more. You know, that's what they're there for. They they wanna be able to see a customer come in and and help troubleshoot an issue so they can get back out there and put the part in and and get on with more work, build more hours, uh, get more jobs done. So. Exactly. Maybe just an abstract question. If you were to step back a little bit and think about what you've built for your community, is there any kind of lessons that you would give to other trade tech businesses? So that is in any other digital business, that's got a tradie as a customer, an HVAC technician, a plumber um, that, that, yeah. that has engaged them and, and helped them want to work with BlueOn.
1: You mean as a, as a sort of words of the wise of, of them developing exactly. their business? For, for this yeah. audience and, yeah. and
0: I'll take it a step yeah. further. Often it's, been challenging to bring a a digital product to the trade audience, um, because they've got their hands dirty, they're on site. Um, some, some say that they've been slow tech adopters, obviously the younger generation, uh, um, that's not an issue, but the older generation it is. So, um, yeah, just any, any general thoughts on that, that focus of trade community.
1: Yeah. I, I, have a, a strong thought on that. I think it's, you know, most, most, Startups, particularly in the tech space, they have a playbook and um, how they use developers and how they develop software. You need to kind of throw that out the window and you need to put people from the trade on the development team because the dev, the development world doesn't think anywhere near similar to how technicians think. And so they build solutions that work for them, not for the technician. And many times they're not only dysfunctional, but they're uh, you know one one and done. Meaning a technician, you know, not to be too off color, but they're kind of jaded individuals, right? They don't they don't tolerate um, they don't get they get frustrated easily, and they don't want to deal with it if it's not working for them when they need it to work. So I always say as a five second learning curve. If you give them a tool, it's got to work right away. It's got to work obviously, and then they'll love it forever and use it again and again. But if it's not intuitive to them and how they think, they're not gonna wanna use it and they're gonna not try it again. So you have to really make sure you develop the software along the lines of how they operate and think and make sure that the team has those people on it. Because if you just give it to a dev team and get it back, I guarantee you it's gonna fail because it's not going to address how they interact with that, that software. And that's, we, we spend a ton of time thinking through how to avoid those problems. in
0: many ways it's 101 advice, isn't it? You are building something for your customer, know what your customer thinks. Um it's just also underscoring the importance of in this case your customers the the tradie, the tradesperson. Um so they got to be present and they they not, yeah, it doesn't mean interviews, it means even on the building. But I think that's super interesting.
1: Yeah, we I mean we've been literally in like uh mini combats with a dev team saying, but this is how you do it. I go, yeah, maybe that's how you do it. These guys would not know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to change oh, that. Yeah.
0: Last question for you, Peter. It would be remiss of me not to ask about a particular advisory board member. And uh, they, they've got a big name. How did this person get involved? And can you reveal who that person is?
1: Are you asking about uh, Robert? <laughs> about Leo. Oh, geez. Oh, God. I thought you, meant, I thought you tried to be inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no, that was way back when. So we met, we met the DiCaprio team back in late 15. Um, one of, one of my partners, Matt, who you've met, he was good friends with an associate who had done a lot of work with their, uh, they have a, like a, a um, kind of like a fund, it's an investment vehicle that does, does all their um, investing on behalf of him. It's pretty large, active go a fairly large team, and it's all ESG, environmental-oriented investment, mm-hmm. and so we have got to meet him and talk to him about, about you know, Blue On and in the refrigerant, back when, when the refrigerant was driving the, the, the business plan. Anyways, so yeah, so met him in, in 15, got to meet with whole Group in 16, really, really was a, a great, um, uh, sort of had good perspective on what we could do in terms of what the refrigerant could do. For overall um, CO2 emissions and getting that down, it was very receptive to it, particularly because it was a practical solution, not a 20-year-out solution, something that could be put into place today and have an impact immediately. So with that being said, there was a you know there was a huge desire to come on board, and yeah, they've been great. I mean, they've just been you know back then they were a little more active. There's there's still we talk to those guys once every you know three four months. but yeah i think he's just they, they have a big team that's out looking for investments that are practical move the needle environmental solutions that aren't pie in the sky 30 year out alternatives i think that's that's a really cool place to be uh, in today's in today's place
0: fantastic well peter thanks so much for joining us on the trade tank podcast today really looking forward to seeing um the next step for Blue On and and as it hits the market and and people are able to purchase product, I, I think it's going to have a very big impact on the industry.
1: Cool. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it.